0: Never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melody sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon. I'm not afraid to
1: But just as the days of Noah were, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as they were in the days before the flood, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and swept away every person. So also will be the coming of the Of the Son of Man. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I've just returned from 11 days. I would call them vacation days, but they weren't a vacation. They were days on the beach, set apart with Jesus and myself. days that I desperately needed for fasting and prayer, the reading of the word, resting in Jesus. On Friday evening, when I arrived at the hotel where I was staying, a sense of dread came over my spirit, a sense of great doom came upon me. I was very concerned about that. It was so heavy I could barely breathe. And I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, have I displeased you? Have I sinned against you? I don't understand this heaviness that's in my spirit. I was frankly terrified. And then I opened the scriptures to this Matthew 24 passage, verses 37 through 39. And understanding began to flood into my soul. You see, Jesus is your absolute worst nightmare or he is your only hope. But I don't want to cheapen your only hope. I listened to a, a pastor, internationally renowned, as he began to pray before he preached. And in his prayer, he said, Lord, I need your grace, I need your grace, I need your grace. And he confessed that he was a sinner. Now, I knew what he meant by saying, I need your grace. He meant very clearly that he needed Jesus to cover his sin because he considers himself to be a sinner before God. Well, he was preaching about righteousness in the church and the need for reformation and for revival while confessing that he was yet a sinner before God. He considers grace to be a covering I read in Titus, the second chapter, beginning in verse 11, For the grace of God appeared, saving to all men, teaching us that having renounced ungodliness and the worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the now age, awaiting the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ gave himself in our behalf in order that he might redeem us from every iniquity and might cleanse for himself a people as possessions zealous of good work. you must speak these things both encourage and expose with all authority let nobody outthink you well it's obvious from that passage in Titus, the second chapter, verse 11, and in many other passages, that grace is never in the New Testament a covering for sin. Grace did cover the sins of the old covenant until the coming of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus removes the sin from our life. I was very troubled as I began to think about this whole story of Noah, I was frankly terrified. Tear was in my heart. Tear for the church, for you. Let's look just a bit of what happened with this incredible flood that came upon the earth. I believe the scriptures are accurate. I believe there was a worldwide flood. And now evidence is emerging that tells us that, yes, the flood was worldwide, not just the scriptures. Mount Everest is the tallest mountain above sea level in the physical world, the the land. Mount Everest towers 29,029 feet above sea level. It's not the tallest mountain on the earth. but it's the tallest one above sea level. Now, archaeologists, it was reported this last week, who were digging on the top of the mountain of Mount Everest, discovered sea fossils on top of Mount Everest, meaning that the sea at one point covered Mount Everest, Now we're going to find as we look at this story of the flood that the Bible claims that every mountain was covered by 20 feet or more of water. And so Mount Everest, at whatever height it was at that point, would have been totally covered by the surging seas. But let's go back to Genesis, the sixth chapter. When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. That phrase, sons of God, is the same phrase in the Hebrew that is used in the story of Job describing angelic beings who gathered in counsel with the Almighty and Satan showed up at the meeting. And that's when the Lord asked Satan, have you observed my servant Job? And Satan asked for permission to sift him. And permission was granted. But what I want you to see is that The sons of God spoken here are angelic beings. They can come in the form of whatever they choose, including men. They saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married them. They left their heavenly estate and corrupted themselves with the daughters of men. The Lord said, "My spirit will not contend with man forever, for He is mortal; His days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God were were going to the daughters of men and had children by them, and they were the heroes of old, men of renown. They were giants." They were the characters spoken of in the Greek mythologies. They were demonic human mix, angelic beings, and we're told in, in the book of Peter that because they left their high estate, they were put in prison. If you have ever read the book of Enoch and it was very well respected in the days of the apostles in fact there are quotes from the book of Enoch in the scriptures it describes the prison where these angels are kept for the day of destruction of judgment of fire they are now on the earth in prison, in the pit. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time or vile all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with with pain, with sorrow. The Lord's heart. I want you to understand that God is a person. Three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus manifest himself on the earth as a baby coming from the womb of Mary. But he was preexistent. He has lived from eternity. John, the gospel, the first chapter. Jesus is fully God and now also fully man. The Lord's heart, and he has reference here to Jesus. If you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, the first chapter, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you look carefully at Colossians, the first chapter, if you look carefully at Hebrews, the first chapter, and if you look at the Gospel of John, the first chapter, you will discover that Jesus was the one who was identified as God in Genesis 1.1. He was the creator God. the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. And Jesus spoke into existence the earth. And he said, and it was very good. I want you to see clearly that Jesus is the owner of the entire earth. Into this earth he created in his own image, in the image of God, Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, verse 27. Then came the fall. When evil entered into the world through a deception of Eve. With that, entrance of evil, where Eve said, I'll choose to believe believe. what I choose to believe. I'll take the wisdom that eating this fruit of the devil will give me, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I will be in charge of my own life. And that has run the course of history. Now, for over a thousand years, the earth has been a paradise of God. In it was the Garden of Eden, guarded by an angelic being with a powerful weapon, (coughs) blocking the way of Adam and Eve from entering into the Garden of Eden and eating of the tree of life, lest they would then in their sin live forever. But now as time has gone by, the devil has said, I'm going to corrupt the DNA of man. And we find that happened when the Nephilim came forth. When the sons of God married the daughters of men and bore children who grew up to be giants. And the Lord saw how corrupt, how evil the earth had become. He was deeply grieved. He saw that every inclination of the thoughts of the heart were only evil all the time. He saw the incredible violence that filled the earth. We can see that today as well. Violence is filling the earth. As you see, the Venice Beach In California, where people now choose to live. One man, an elderly man, in his underwear, said, I can live any way I choose here. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm in charge of my own life, and I like it like that. This week, a man who is a Christian. at the beginning of the week, chose to go to a club where he could dance with some women, where he could enjoy the worldly music. He felt at home there. I spoke with him while I was away with Jesus, and he confessed to me that he had done that, and he said I was wrong, I should not have done that. And I have repented. I rebuked him kindly. And I said, if you go to the barber, you will get a haircut. If you go to this worldly place with its music and its atmosphere, you will sin against the Almighty God. It's just a matter of time. When I returned home, he came to me with great sadness and he said, Pastor, I was with my parents and family and they were all watching a movie, so I sat and watched it with them. And then it was a love scene. And there was nudity. And he said, when I saw the woman nude, it was so... It was so beautiful to see. But then I knew I had sinned against God by lusting after this woman. And so the devil said to me, you've already sinned. You might as well go back to the club. So he said, you're right. I have sinned against God, and I'm going to go back. And so back he went to the club, and there again he danced with the women and Enjoyed the atmosphere and the music, the wicked, secular, suggestive, seductive music of darkness. And then he came to me when I got back and he said, Pastor, I've repented. He said, the devil tricked me. He told me I'd already sinned against God. I might as well just go all the way but I didn't go all the way, Pastor. I didn't seduce a woman. I said, there are no excuses for what you've done. There is only honest repentance before God and sorrow of heart. You can't ask for grace to cover your sin. You can only ask that your sin be forgiven, that it be removed from you, and the lust of your heart would be removed from you. It's so easy to plunge into the wickedness of the world. It's so easy to have easy believism and say, I'm okay. But he's not okay. God's heart was filled with pain because of the wickedness. So verse 7, this is Genesis 6 verse 7. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. That's Jesus speaking. That's Jesus saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to wipe mankind off the face of the earth. Well, how many people were on the earth? Today there's just over 7 billion people on the face of the earth. I don't know how many people were on the earth after a thousand years, but it could easily have been that number in that beautiful paradise of God. Could have been a million, could have been two, could have been five billion. I don't know how many people were there. How many is not the point. The point is Jesus has come and he is saying, my heart is so grieved by what I see happening on the earth that I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to execute them. Men, women, children, babies. I'm going to execute them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And then this brief verse, verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The word corrupt here is also used in the Hebrew to describe a bowl of fruit that is utterly rotten with mold and stench and flies Way beyond anything a person could ever consider eating, it is only good to be thrown away. And he said, the people of the earth are rotten through and through. They're full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways, So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. This earth was an incredible paradise. I just read a very interesting article and watched a video on Madagascar. And in Madagascar, there is a tree stump that is 8 miles across they estimate that it reached 20 miles into the into the sky well that's not possible in today's world the tree line today for a mountain is at about 11000 feet but this was an incredible paradise it could easily have reached 20 miles into the sky. But now in this paradise of violence and wickedness, the Lord says, make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet tall long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. You are to put a lower, middle, and upper deck in. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You're to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And you're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded. Well, Noah was called in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, a preacher of righteousness. But the day came when God said, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. They went into the ark and he said seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. They entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And the Lord shut them in. The Lord closed the door. And the floodwaters came on the earth. The springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and the rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. The waters rose. And increased gently, greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heaven were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than twenty feet. Every living thing that moved on earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, And all mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils, died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground. And the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Do you see why? a great heaviness settled upon my soul. Can you imagine the sounds of the cries of people as they screamed in terror as the floodwaters began to come upon them? Can you imagine how they ran in that area to the ark and knocked on it with pieces of of stone trying to get them to open the door, but they didn't close the door and they could not open the door. God closed it. Jesus, by his mighty angels, closed that door and sealed it shut and judgment came upon the earth. Now, please, I want you to hear this clearly. Don't make a mistake here not one person entered into the ark because the grace of God covered them they entered into the ark because moses i'm sorry because noah was a righteous man walking clean before god there were probably people on the earth who said we don't need to worry god would never do that We're safe in our sin. We don't need to enter into that ark. It's never rained. It's not going to rain. You can almost see the newscasters out beside the ark scoffing at this foolish man, Noah, who built the ark. Why would he build the ark far away from any ocean? on dry ground. Well, because it was going to soon become an ocean. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Now God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded and the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens were closed and the rain stopped falling from the sky and the water receded steadily from the earth. Can you imagine what it looked like when that ark door was finally opened by God? Were there bodies strewn about on the earth? I don't know. I don't know. But Noah came out of the ark with his wife and his children, his sons and their wives. And the first, first thing he did when he came out of that ark was he built an altar to the Lord. And then he took some of the clean animals and he offered them as burnt offerings before the Lord. And the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. What was the pleasing aroma that God spilled, that that filled his nostrils? It was with a certainty. Jesus was pleased because he knew he was going to be the sacrifice on the altar at the cross. And he knew that men could be redeemed. And he said, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. They did just that. And today the earth is filled with over 7 billion people on the face of the earth. Now, he said, Never again. Will all life be cut off by the waters of the flood? Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And whenever I bring clouds over the earth, the rainbow appears in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and life on the earth. And so what has the wicked heart of man done with the covenant that God made in the rainbow in the sky? Today there is another covenant that has been made. It is a covenant between the devil and wicked human hearts. And now the rainbow is known in our culture and around the world as a covenant of perversion, as a covenant of utter wickedness, a covenant of utter complete darkness. And so now children, in our public schools are being taught that the rainbow represents their perversion. And I would also say that the rainbow is the sure sign that God will not tolerate this perversion. God's heart is again grieved. It is filled with sorrow. Because the sacrifice of his son has been cast aside. And every vile thing is being lifted up and called good. And every good and righteous thing is being cast down in our culture. And called vile and wicked. You see why my heart was so grieved. My heart was so grieved because I know that just as surely as God destroyed the earth with water, he's going to again destroy the earth but this time with fire there are 3 arcs spoken of in the scriptures the first ark is the ark that noah built into which he and his family were invited to go by the mighty god of heaven by jesus And they were saved. They and the three sons and wives were saved with the animals from the destruction of the vile. Actually, you're right, Johnny. There were four arcs. The next arc was the basket the baby Moses was placed in. And the Savior of the Jewish people was rescued from the hand of Pharaoh. And then there was the Ark of the Covenant, the golden box overlaying wood, acacia wood. A mercy seat was placed over it. It was placed in the most holy compartment of the sanctuary that the children of Israel carried through the wilderness. And then in Solomon's temple, in that ark was the law of God. And then there is a fourth ark and his name is Jesus. That ark also has a ramp for entrance. Let me read about the ramp into the ark, Jesus Christ. Found in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount chapter 7 verse 13 you must enter through the narrow gate or that is you must enter through the suffering gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way leading into destruction and many are the ones entering through it but narrow but narrow but suffering is the gate, and restricted, or groaning, is the way that leads to life. And the ones finding it are few. Now we're going to talk this week about the ark Jesus Christ. But I want you to hear today that even as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as they were in the days before the flood, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and swept away every person to also be the coming of the Son of Man. Again, the earth is going to be cleansed, this time with fire. And this time, billions of people are going to perish from the earth. On this time away with Jesus, I would walk with tears coming down my face through the streets of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, there are Sodom and Gomorrah's on the earth. I wept because I spoke with many people. I did not find one person. I'm not saying there was not one there. I'm saying I spoke with many people. And the question I asked them, Do you know Jesus? Oh, yes. Are you saved? Oh, yes. Do you still walk in your sin? Oh, yes. But I'm saved by grace. They have entered what they consider to be the kingdom of God by the Broadway. And there are many churches built on the Broadway. That's not the entrance ramp into Jesus Christ. There is only one way to enter into Jesus Christ. And that's by the narrow gate. That's by the suffering gate. That's by the the groaning gate. I stood at the bedside when I returned. I came back a day early. I stood at the bedside of a man who said he was a Christian. Now he lays in bed, unable to move or turn his body, dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. My heart has gone out to this man. I was invited by his wife to come and speak with him. I was deeply grieved as I spoke with him. He could not answer. I said to him, You have lived your life by your own will. You've lived it your way. And now you're about ready to leave this world and go to the next. What will that next world be for you? There is a heaven and there is a hell. I said last time I spoke with you, you could speak. And I ask you to write down every wicked thing you've done and thought. And I ask you to go to Jesus and repent of those things to get right with Jesus. I pray you have done that. If you have not, your mind is still crystal clear and you feel trapped in your body. and you're depressed and discouraged. You're sad, which tells me that probably you have not done an adequate work of repentance. I'm pleading with you, do an adequate work of repentance of your sin. You see, it's a narrow gate. It's not a broad way. We don't claim grace to cover our sins and expect to enter into that narrow way. Only the righteous can enter that narrow way. Only those who have turned away from sin, like Noah, only the righteous will enter into Jesus Christ. You cannot be in sin and in Jesus at the same time. It is what is called in the Greek Locative, position. You do not have a position in Jesus and a position in sin. You cannot be in New York City and Washington, D.C. at the same time. You are either clean or you're unclean. You are the clean and enter into the ark of Jesus Christ. Or you are unclean and you cannot enter into Jesus Christ because no wicked thing can enter into Jesus It's a narrow road, and it's a road that requires complete and total repentance and humility of heart. Today we're in a very difficult, terrifying position because most will say, I have Jesus as my hope. But for many of you, he is a false hope because you are still living your life on your terms. You are still living your life, going where you choose to go, deciding how you will spend your money. You are still doing everything as Eve did after the fall. You have not surrendered to Jesus Christ and committed your way to his kingdom and to bringing about his kingdom on the earth now i know this is so difficult to even begin to grasp in our minds because we have been so utterly deceived we have been so utterly deceived by the modern church who lies to us and says you can walk in your sin and you're still by grace you're saved they're wrong they're lying to you they're false teaching There's only one ramp into Jesus. There was only one ramp into the ark of Noah. And then the door was closed. The door into Jesus has not yet closed, but it will soon close forever. And if you are still walking in your arrogant, worldly, lustful life, You will be shut out when that door is closed. That's all the time we have for today. We're going to go much deeper tomorrow. Jesus is either your absolute worst nightmare or he is the hope of a righteous man. I want to thank each one of you who has so sacrificially given this month to help cover the cost of the radio broadcast. Thank you. Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And brothers and sisters, go to the web page and you'll find this message. Again, you can listen to it this evening when it's posted. God bless you. I love you. But I'm terrified for you and for the church. I'll talk to you soon. If you're an HR,